0: This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Go! Afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you there's always a plan. Welcome in. We are live here on this Thursday. Appreciate you guys choosing A to Z to start your sports day off right here in the A. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno. Of course, you can follow our entire Locked On Sports Network at Locked On ATL. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give that thumbs up and that like to all the content that you see there. Don't forget, we are also on Roku TV. So if you have like a fire stick or wherever you get your Roku TV, Locked On Sports Atlanta, all right there. Check us out as well. We've got a lot to get to. Uh, some notes about Georgia as they get set for South Carolina and a possible coaching departure. At least maybe in my head, I could see it happening. Uh, and of course, we have the Braves uh, an off day today as they finish up their series out west, go 4-4, four and, four and come back home um, and still in a good position for the NL East. Let's start today with the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I've heard this comment from several media members in the city here, uh, including our own John Chuckery, who you can hear every single day right here on Locked on ATL with Hitting Hard. Um, And and I kind of disagree. And there is this overwhelming sentiment right now that Tyler Algier, who was inactive for game one, must be activated and must be on the roster and playing a medium. And while I, I don't necessarily disagree on the surface of that, I look at this and I begin to think, well, why does that have to be the case? I mean, I fully understand that Cordero Patterson getting 22 carries a game is not sustainable for another 16 games. He's 31 years old. He's been often injured throughout his career. This is not a recipe for success for him. That said, um, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of steps in the process here along the way that must be taken before we just shove Tyler Algier into the lineup and the rotation. One, you got to make sure that the holes are there. (laughs) Now, they were in week one. Will they be there in week two? I don't know 100% know. I don't really know if we know what we're going to get from the Los Angeles Rams coming up on Sunday. They got spanked in their home opener where they rose their banner and everything else, uh, and they did not look good. How much will they come back? How much will they have a Super Bowl hangover? How much will they look like the team that won the Super Bowl last year? All those questions up for grabs, we don't really know. What I do know is that if I am Arthur Smith, and you guys have heard me tell you how much I like Arthur Smith. though He did a great job this week. And handling all the adversity and all the, uh you know, pushback and whatnot. If I'm Arthur Smith, I am going with my best until I crack the W column, period. I, I'm not here right now for uh figuring out what the future has. And Arthur Smith has kind of told you this already, hasn't he? He's kind of told you we're not here to tank. He's kind of told you we're here to be competitive. He's kind of told you that. You know, we're here to win games. And the idea that he's heard everything that everybody's written about him, the obituaries, the burying, the the ranking 45th, and all the other stuff, should tell you a little bit more about where his mindset is right now as they go into this game against the Rams. I want to win. That's what the man is thinking. Before I worry about what my running back situation looks like for next year, I want to win. Before I worry about my quarterback situation looks like for next year, I want to win. That's where Arthur Smith is right now, and I kind of wholly support it. I understand it. Now, there's a bigger picture to this thing. I'll tell you that in a minute. First, a word, my friends, from my friends at BetOnline.net, your number one online source for odds, lines, and games. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events right there at betonline.net. Like Thursday night football tonight. Got plenty of action going on between the Chargers and the Chiefs. You can find reviews of that game and every league, like the NFL, Major League Baseball, especially with the playoffs coming up, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. Which is a big live, live golf event coming up. Uh, BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have got you covered In-game betting, guys, so much fun. Um, You don't really have to know a ton about betting. Just watch the game and predict how you think it's going to unfold. Very, very easy. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. The bigger picture for Arthur Smith is understanding what the next couple of years, and Terry Fontenot, for that matter, what the next couple of seasons are going to look like. But here's the thing, guys, and this is why it's important to understand where they are let's take the path here of sticking with your starters sticking with your ones okay and playing out the first four or five weeks as best you can and let the results bear out what they are if the results bear out that they end up one and four or one and five after six games let's go one and six into the bye guess what for all accounts, your season's over. Unless you're running the table and winning 10 more games to go 11-6, you're not making the playoffs. So that said, he has 10 games to, quote, figure out what he has for next year. If they're winning games and they're 4-3 and three after seven games, guess what? You're not going to change anything because it's working. Because this roster and this team that nobody thought was going to be anything – actually is something so why would you make a change other than injury arthur smith's got this right folks like you have to trust his judgment at this point tyler algier isn't playing because tyler algier doesn't need to play right now because he's not as good as what the other guys on the roster are and furthermore they're going to go to the well with their best is tyler algier a good running back maybe is he going to be a long-term back in this league i don't know is Cordero Patterson better than and and a better option right now? Yes, he is. That's just it. I agree. It's not sustainable. I don't think he'll be able to carry the Rock 20-plus times for the next 16 games. Guy's going to get hurt. It's going to happen. He's going to get banged up. He's going to get nicked up. When that happens, you bring Tyler Argyle back onto the active roster. But until then, of the 48 – And Arthur Smith broke this down. It's really 45 or three specialists, really 44 with a backup quarterback. Those guys, you know, only see the field in specific situations or not at all. And then you got 22 starters. That leaves you 22 people. You can start breaking this down here very simply. You need at least three or four extra offensive linemen. Now we're down to 18. You need two or three extra wide receivers. Now we're down to 15. You're going to need two or three extra corners now we're down to 12 or 11 you got rotational defensive linemen and linebackers take off four or five more now we're down to eight i mean forget and, and oh by the way you still have another two running backs there as well and technically felipe franks who is another quarterback and an extra tight end oh by the way they carry like four tight ends on game day so now you're down to three or four guys and, yeah, special teams plays a part in that. Arthur Smith broke that down perfectly for you guys. So I get it. Everybody wants to see what Tyler Algier is. Slow it. Because you don't need to know right this minute. Run Patterson until he breaks. See what your record is at that point in time. And play it from there. I mean, if Tyler Algier is going to be a good running back, guess what? He'll be a good running back in Week 10. And and no one's going to sit here and convince me that, well, if they started Tyler O'Gio, they would have won more games. Nah, sorry. You can't get me to buy into that one. Not at all. All right, coming up next, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs hit the road to South Carolina. A little bit of information on that game. And as well, could they see a change in their coaching staff in the future? We'll discuss that right next on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on locked on sports Atlanta free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast search locked on sports Atlanta, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And remember Amazon fire Roku TV. That's where you find our newest home for locked on sports Atlanta every single day. Appreciate you guys joining me here on A to Z. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zino. Uh, coming up, we'll hand out shovels of wisdom as well. We got some Braves information to get to before, uh, they start the final home stretch, final two weeks of the regular season. Let's get to Georgia as they get set to take on South Carolina. They hit the road for the first time this year. Travel to Williams-Price Stadium uh, in Columbia, uh, which was supposed to be an unseasonably mild uh, Columbia afternoon, only about 85 degrees. Typically that game is like sweltering, but nonetheless, uh, Georgia heavy favorites in the game. It is what it is. I think they end up covering, but they're an extremely public bet this week, which nauseates the hell out of me, so I won't touch it with my own money. Uh, but if you put a gun to my head, I'll tell you, Georgia would cover the 24 and a half. In fact, three of the last four meetings, Georgia scored at least 40 and hasn't given up more than 17. So it's trending that way. But Shane Beamer's got a team that, that comes at you for 60 minutes. So I actually also like the over. I think the number's a little bit depressed at 52, but beyond all that. Um, Seth Emerson, uh, who covers the Bulldogs for the athletic, put his Georgia mailbag together. Uh, and they went over a couple of topics. One of them including like who's the second best team in the East. Like if Georgia were, for whatever reason slips up, who would have a chance to to come and get them? If you guys have followed me, you know that I have been high on Tennessee all off season leading into this season. And look, well, I think that Tennessee is a eight win team this year. Um, they're going. They're they're they have a rougher schedule to get to Georgia than kentucky does um here's the thing they've already beaten pittsburgh okay they they get florida at home in two weeks after they take on akron this week but then they got to go to lsu and that could be a night game who knows very tough to play down there in baton rouge at night and then they host alabama they get a break at ut martin they host kentucky and then they travel to georgia on november 5th so they're playing three more ranked teams between now and the time that they face georgia and sanford stadium their record may look a little bit worse, right? I I mean, they'd have to beat Florida, but theoretically, um, even if they don't beat Florida, you know, their other three losses, Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia, by the way, still gets me over eight wins. It'd be eight and four, seven and a half wins. They'd be eight and four. Um, But again, they have to win at LSU. So who knows what that game's going to be like. If they win at Florida, they're going to be in the driver's seat. Uh, Tennis. I'm sorry. Kentucky on the other hand has a very easy schedule before they see Tennessee and Georgia, by the way. Uh, They get Youngstown State this week, Northern Illinois. They have to travel to Ole Miss, which theoretically they could lose. They host South Carolina, Mississippi State. Then they travel to Tennessee on October 29th. They get two more weeks against Cupcakes and Missouri and Vanderbilt. And they face Georgia on November 19th, second to last game of the regular season, which, you know, again, uh, is it possible that Kentucky could only have one loss heading into the game against Georgia? Yeah. It is possible Uh, whether they lose to Ole Miss or to Tennessee. If they split with them, they have one loss going into the game against Georgia, which is going to be a revenge game for Kirby Smart. I I can't wait. I can't. Kirby did not forget what Mark Stoops pulled at the end of last year. I'm telling you, he's going to make it personal. He's he, he is going to to paint the ground red in Lexington when they play, and I'm excited for it. Can't wait for that game to come out. Um. So Georgia taking on South Carolina this week. I don't have any concerns about them in this game. I do have a concern about them in the big picture for the future, because I think there could be one coach who, as Seth Emerson points out that might not be there for the foreseeable future. I'll tell you who that is in just a moment. First to work for my friends at coffee AM every morning, guys, it's the routine. Make it your routine. Get up, pop some coffee AM in the Keurig, or if you want to brew it, uh, they can grind coffee up for you as well. But, you're talking about the freshest, best tasting coffee you're ever going to have. And why is it so fresh? Because they roast it and then ship it on the same day. We're very close to it. And so you know when you're getting it, this product is going to be amazing. And you know it's fresh too because when you open the box, you're going to smell it. And these are coffees from all over the world, guys. I mean, just they, they they get the freshest crops and the best grade coffee out there and roast them. It is absolutely outstanding uh, from Costa Rica, Sumatra, Kenya, Tanzania, all over you're going to love everything Coffee AM has to offer. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and look at the full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. You can use the coupon code locked on to get 15% off at checkout. Again, that's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. And they're right here in Georgia. Um, we have all been pleased with the progression. At least I have been, not only have I been pleased, I've been pleasantly surprised. With the progression of the Georgia passing game, Georgia is the second-best passing offense in the nation right now through two weeks. Granted, it's only through two weeks, but uh, you know one of the things that I, I noted in my write-up for uh, that I do for one of my gambling websites in, in the Georgia South Carolina game is that South Carolina's rush defense is awful. It's bad. They're giving up nearly 250 yards a game on the ground for their first two games. Like this is a game that Georgia would salivate over two years ago just to be able to run down their throat because it's simple and it's easy and you're hitting them right in their weakest spot. I still don't think that's going to be the case this week. I think you're going to see a very balanced attack. I think you're also going to see one that skews towards the passing game. Why? Because they're at the point right now where they've developed it enough and are able to take advantage. And not only that, they're going to get passes to to the guys out of the backfield. Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton catching a ton of balls out of the backfield so far through two games. I think that continues, and I think Stetson Bennett is a guy that they completely trust to be able to throw the ball on any down in any situation. This passing offense has evolved. That said, Jeff Munkin – or is it Todd? Which one is it? I always get the brothers confused. (laughs) Todd Munkin. Sorry, Jeff coaches at Army. That's why I'm so in tune with Jeff Munkin. Uh, Apologies. Anyway, Todd Munkin, you know – has really developed this passing offense into one that I think by the end of the year is going to garner him some attention as a possible hiring cycle replacement. Now you're going to get really crazy and nobody has a reason to want to take this job, but if Nebraska comes calling for Todd Munkin, does he leave Georgia to do it? Power five program, historic program, got a chance to, build his own thing it's going to take a while and you're going into an area that's that's going to be incredibly tough in the big 10 especially in the coming years with the programs that are going into the big 10 but i mean he might get two or three years as long as he's not as bad as scott frost as long as he's not losing to georgia southern and northwestern on the regular and losing at home and season openers yeah gotta make sure you win that first one but i think that One way or another, Todd Munkin might not be here for long. And as Seth Emerson points out of The Athletic, that whether it's another college job or even the NFL that comes calling, um, you know, there is a sense of, you know, that he might get a job somewhere else that is not Georgia, or at least be offered it. Does he want it? That we'll see. But there have been a lot of Georgia uh, assistants that have all moved on, Mel Tucker, Sam Pittman, Shane Beamer, Dan Lanning. I mean, you know, these guys have all gotten big-time jobs at big-time universities because they're really good assistants. And that's the nature of doing what you do. I mean, we've seen Saban lose assistants for years. It's just part of the deal. It's just part of the the whole situation. So uh, how much longer will Monk be here? Who knows? If this offense continues to ascend – the way it looks like they're going to continue to ascend this year, and you get Stetson Bennett in a Heisman conversation because of it, someone's going to offer him a job. Whether he takes it is a whole different conversation. Somebody's going to offer him a job. And when you have your, your head coach making over $10 million, if he wants to stay, that's when the head coach goes to the administration and says, yeah, you better give him a big bump in pay and make him one of the highest paid assistants if you want him to stay here. Then it comes down to money. So there's that. All right, coming up next, uh, even though everybody wants this to happen, one person just doesn't care. Period. That's next right here on A to Z. Unlocked on, on Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, now on Roku TV as well. Give me a follow on Twitter at Morgzino. Follow the entire network at Locked On ATL. I want to remind you guys tomorrow, Friday. We're doing one of our ATL hangouts here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. All the shows will come together. Like Voltron, we will come together and form one big show for Locked On Sports Atlanta. So uh, make sure you guys check us out tomorrow for a very special edition of Locked On Sports Atlanta before we get to that. And before we get to the Atlanta Braves, now let's get to a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. You know how we do it every got to set somebody straight saying you're doing something stupid. We'll do it right here by whacking him upside the head with a shovel. You can do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. Use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today my shovel goes to Magnus Carlsen. You won't know who Magnus Carlsen is, but uh, unless you were a chess aficionado. But apparently there is a scandal brewing in the chess world because Hans Niemann, 19-year-old kid from San Francisco, California, defeated Norwegian grandmaster Magnus Carlsen at the Field Cup in St. Louis, Missouri, on September 4th. Now, the stunning news of this defeat here by uh, at the hands of 19-year-old Hans Neiman by uh, Magnus Carlsen reverberated throughout the chess world, and apparently, Magnus uh, believes that his opponent Hans Neiman was cheating, and online. People watching were quick to accuse Neiman of cheating, despite no evidence at all. Uh, and they were saying that players could use vibration-based buttons placed in their shoes to communicate with a chess engine hidden somewhere in their clothing to gain outside advice on what moves to play, according to one website. The computer systems predict the game outcomes and provide the recommendations with how to win. Now, um, the vibrating shoes theory sparked the unfounded allegations that Neiman was tapping into a computer Using a, uh, well, a prostate massager, which only goes in one place, folks. Not really sure how all that would work. Not really sure why you'd put it there. Not really sure if you're getting frisked at all during this event, like that you would need to hide something there. But the idea that somebody is putting something up there to cheat in a game of chess, beyond far-fetched. Agnes, you took an L, take another L, because, well, your theory is l stupid. There you go. I worked too hard on that. Okay, I know. Moving on. Uh, Braves lose again yesterday to the San Francisco Giants. They finished their road trip 4-4, four and four, uh, which in reality I don't think is all that awful. Uh, all things considered, you know, there's still a half game out behind the Mets uh, in the standings. Mets will start a series with the Pirates tonight. Uh, Braves have the night off. They start a series with the Phillies. And, you know, look, I, I'm, I'll am i be the first one to tell you that I was wrong. Um, only because, you know, I had made so much about the schedules that were there down the stretch and how much I thought that would play a, a big part of how the rest of the season would go. Uh, and in reality, the, the Mets have just... Stunk it up over the course of oh, I don't know, the beginning of this month. They are what six now and seven since the beginning of September. Uh, and if you even go to September 3rd, um on, which is you know an arbitrary day just because they lost, um they are four and seven. So, you know, they've struggled to say the least, and now they're gonna get a four-game series with Pittsburgh, they got a chance to get right, but you know, it's one of these deals where uh, they they have not lived up to expectations. They get four against Pittsburgh. They still get to play Oakland, um, but they have to go to Milwaukee and then to Oakland before they come back home from Miami. And then, of course, the, the Braves series is coming up. Uh, and the same thing for the Braves. You know, uh, now that they're back home, they get Philly, Washington, and Philly, Washington before they see the Mets. So everything here in the Northeast. Um three, three, four, and three. Uh, and they'll be done with the Phillies here uh, by the end of this uh, next seven games. So, or 10 games, I should say. It was an interesting article by Dave O'Brien in The Athletic uh, about Kenley Jansen and his lack of getting a rip about what everybody is saying about him or the booze that he's getting from fans now that uh, he's starting to hear them. And, you know, part of me looks at it and goes, that's kind of what I want for my closer. I want to be able to uh, have a guy who can tune out all that noise, get to the mound in the ninth inning, no matter what the situation is, high leverage, medium leverage, low leverage, get outs and get out of there with a win or save and a win for that matter. And so I, I certainly appreciate his willingness to tune everybody out because he's been around a long time and he knows how to do that. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think he's genuinely bothered by it. I think, you know, when, when you read Dave O'Brien's column, he's more bothered by his actual pitching than he is the reaction to his pitching, if that makes sense. Right. Like he knows he should be better than what he's done and he's not. And that begins to get people a little bit agitated. Uh, And as you go down the stretch here in these final couple of weeks of the season, as they're trying to catch the Mets, well, you know, they got a guy in waiting and, and I'm sure that Jansen is well aware and he could lose his job to Iglesias. I know Snit said out loud, "It's day to day. They'll continue to evaluate it." That might just be something he said to the media. I have a hard—I still have a hard time believing he's ever going to remove Jansen from that role, unless he goes through a stretch where it's like back to back and another one where it's back to back at three out of four. He's going to give him every opportunity to hold on to that that closing job. And part of me says, as he should, you have to live with a little trepidation. Uh, it, it's it's part of the deal when it comes to you know, picking a closer and sticking with them and everything else. I mean, you know, none of this stuff is easy. Uh, and it's always easy to say that you've got a better answer and what to do. Well, not 100% sure that there is a better answer right now. Iglesias getting the ninth is the easy thing to do. If he gets struck or, or knocked around in his first attempt to close, then what do you do? You go back to Jansen? I mean, that's why sometimes staying the course in baseball is better than changing things up, especially when you look at the larger sample size of 162 games and what they're going to be up against. I think that in and of itself lends to trying to stay the course as long as possible in a situation like this, especially when you're playing, if you're not playing well, it's a different conversation. When the Braves are where they are and they're on the cusp of what they're on the cusp of, you kind of hold what you got and let your, your horses do the work. So we'll see. If he decides to make a change, I don't think he will. Speaking of horses, by the way, Ozzie Albies had another good outing uh, in Gwinnett as he continues his rehab. Uh, I'm curious at what point in time they bring him back up. Um, and when they do it, you know, they, they're going to want to get him at least seven to 10 games before the postseason starts. So they've got a very small window here uh, to, you got to figure the last 10 games of the year, you know, are starting Monday, September 26th, last nine games of the year. We at Washington home for the three against New York and then three in Miami. Uh, could it be then or probably sooner? Maybe. You know, maybe they bring them up when they head back out on the road again, but you, you have to believe it's coming soon. Oh, by the way, I'll add one more thing. You know, at this point in time, you've only got three reliable starters. Reed, Strider, and Wright, that's it. Morton. Is-